بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وسبحان الله العلي العظيم وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأشهد أن محمدا رسول الله سبحان الله سبحان الله أؤمن به وأستعينه وأستهديه وأستجيره واستنصره فإنه حق من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له يا رب اللهم توكل عليك وأعوذ بك وأعوذ بك أن أضل أو أضل أو أزل أو أذل أو أظلم أو أظلم أو أجهل أو أن أستجهل يا نور السماوات والأرض يا نور السماوات والأرض ومن فيهن اللهم اجعل في قلبي نورا وفي لساني نورا ومن حولي نور ومن فوقي نور ومن تحتي نور اللهم اعظم لي نورا واصلي واسلم وابارك على محمد النبي الأمين خاتم الأنبياء أجمعين وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن تبعه بإحسان إلى يوم الدين إن شاء الله تدعي We need to talk about an old issue, but it's sadly a constantly recurring issue that confront Muslims all the time, at least since the modern age. And simply put, it is the issue of democracy. Something that has sprung up with a certain degree of urgency. In recent times, some people yet again, yet again, ask me whether voting in elections is haram or not haram. And indeed, at least since the Arab Spring, there are numerous forces in the Muslim world that have a vested interest in perpetuating the idea that democracy is antithetical to God's will and that Muslims should not aspire for democracy, should not try to achieve a democracy, and even if they live in a nation state that has any type of democratic governance, Muslims should abstain from being involved. But what is even worse is not just the rejection of democracy in principle, but that the rejection of democracy is used as a vehicle to embrace autocracy, 
to embrace dictatorship as if there is something meritorious and good about autocratic rule. This position is vigilantly pursued and advocated by a movement often called Jami Islam which is an offshoot from Wahhabi Islam but a Jamia in essence rejects democracy with all fervor and then uses its anti-democratic ideas to fully embrace autocracy and autocratic rule. But it doesn't just, this is not just limited to so-called the Jami position or the Jami school of thought, which grew out of Saudi Arabia and has been supported by Saudi Arabia for many years. But this has become now embraced even by those who represent Sufi orientations in Islam like um, Bin Bayah, the Mauritarian, Mauritarian religious figure who has written a book denouncing democracy as un-Islamic and celebrating autocratic rule as the will of God. And Bin Baya, of course, has an extension in the United States, and that's Zaytuna University or Zaytuna College. And its representative, Hamza Yusuf, and others. We need to take a step back to understand or to disentangle these types of issues. We all know, or we should know, that the Prophet ﷺ was not an autocrat. If you study the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ, one of the things that strikes you immediately is that although he was a prophet guided by no less than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala receiving revelation, and yet the way he carried himself within his nascent, newly born state was that he consistently consulted or engaged in shura. And that principle became enshrined in the Qur'an itself when the Qur'an more than once says وَشَاوِرْهُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ Consult with them. So even with the presence of a divinely inspired and a divinely guided prophet, yet still the rule enshrined in the Qur'an is to consult. And consult means do not just rely on your own point of view and your own perspective. Put differently, don't make the opinions of others irrelevant to what you do and what policy you pursue. We also know 
that the Prophet ﷺ developed or pursued an instrumentality that represented consent. And that instrumentality was known as the bay'ah. How did the Prophet ﷺ assess the consent of the governed? Well, he assessed the consent of the governed by receiving a bay'ah, a pledge, a vote. And that even more that at various points in the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ, a process was developed by which people were represented by Nukabah, various tribes, various clans, various geographic localities, chose a Naqib, and the Naqib represented them in the agreements that they made with the Prophet ﷺ. And these Nukabah acted as representatives. And they represented the will of their people with the Prophet ﷺ as they gave a bay'ah or a pledge on behalf of the people they represented. You would think that with all of this, the matter would be easily resolved in Islam. That we had the principle of shura, an anti-autocratic principle. We have the principle of bay'ah, an anti-autocratic principle. And the principle of representation, again, an anti-autocratic principle. But people like Jamia and people like Bin Bayya in his published book on this issue argue that none of this was obligatory in any sense. That the Prophet ﷺ consulted with people not because he wanted to achieve the will of the people, but simply as a judicious act engaged in by a wise man by, in fact, a wise autocrat. Why do you consult? Not because you are interested in what people believe or say, but as a more morality boost in order to encourage people to have opinions. But you're not bound to follow any of it. Similarly, they argue that the bay'ah, the vote, and the nukabah were all instrumentalities of convenience engaged in to provide a boost, an emotional boost to the people, but that they were not binding and not a serious doctrine of democracy in any sense. The issue though, the issue, the real issue, is that if we do not care about the consent of people, if we claim that the consent of the governed or the consent of the community or the consent of a people is irrelevant, 
then we are also saying that compulsion, ikrah, is acceptable as a moral ethic in Islam. If you do not care about the consent of a people, then by necessity you are saying that it is entirely acceptable to force people, to compel people to engage in the craw. And here we have a problem. And that is ikrah, coercion and compulsion is condemned and forbidden by the Quran. And because it is forbidden and condemned by the Quran, theorists of Jami Islam and the modern Sufi orientations are put in a pickle. How do we defend the idea that a people can be ruled through coercion when the Quran condemns coercion and compulsion as an ethic. And here, the rhetorical stratagem goes like this. Democracy doesn't really represent the will of the people. Democracy represents the will of parties, ahzab, and factions. And factionalism is haram in Islam. So while consent is important, there is no instrumentality to, to test this consent. We can, in fact, assume that consent exists in the form of a legitimate ruler whose decisions will be assumed to represent the consent of the people. And here, they engage in a further stratagem to argue that it is a religious obligation upon the rule to consent to the power of an autocrat as long as the autocrat allows you to pray. So they fudge the coercion issue, the compulsion issue, by saying, well, you know, yes, the Quran prohibits coercion and compulsion. Yes, the Quran commands that you engage in shura. However, if you're a good Muslim, you will consent to the government of any ruler, even if that ruler is an autocrat, as long as that ruler allows you to pray. It is a religious obligation upon you to consent. And having made that argument, consent is assumed to always exist because a good Muslim would consent even to a dictator. Why do I come back to this? Because there has been an ideological curse hanging over Muslims for centuries. An ideological curse that is as powerful and as superstitious as all mythologies. Let me explain this point 
without getting too academic or too difficult to understand. Most Muslims will agree that the Prophet was not an autocrat. Will also agree that Abu Bakr was not an autocrat. That Omar was not an autocrat. That Ali was not an autocrat. And that Osman was not an autocrat. Most Muslims, at least Sunni Muslims, agree to that. However, the question is, what happens after Uthman dies? And for the anti-democratic faction, they argue that for the concept known as Wilayat al-Mutaghallib. And the argument goes like this. After the four, first four rightly guided caliphs, al-Khulafa' al-Rashidun, who, who ruled, or the question of governorship was defined by sheer brute force. Whoever was the most powerful managed to sit on the throne. And once that person sits on the throne, it's ruled by usurpation, whoever usurped governance. Once that person sits on the throne and allows people to pray, that ruler who is now sitting on the throne through brute force is assumed to be the will of God. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, تُؤْتِ الْمُلْكَ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتُعِزُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتُذُلُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابٍ That Allah gives mulk to whomever Allah wills. So this anti-democratic faction argued, well, it is the will of God that a particular person took power. The means by which they achieved power is irrelevant. Once they stabilized themselves upon the throne, they became God's will. And as long as that individual allowed you to pray, it's a very minimal standard, it's a very low standard, it became a religious obligation to obey whoever is sitting in power. And because it's a religious obligation upon you to obey whoever is sitting in power, ideas like the consent of the governed become irrelevant. Leave alone ideas like representation. Leave alone ideas like justice. Whether you believe it or not, in Jami Islam and in Sufi Islam, represented by people like Bin Baya, once you have a king, a queen, a king, a prince, a military ruler who managed to sit on the throne, that becomes the will of God. And obeying that person becomes the will of God. And since we are not going to assume that people are disobeying God, then we can assume that people have consented. And their consent, in fact, in every way is irrelevant. Obe obedience becomes a religious obligation. Now, ask yourself seriously. Are you the type of Muslim 
that accepts this theory as sound and sensical? Does this theory sound to you like something legitimate, moral, ethical, Islamic? Whoever comes to power, even if this person was placed in power by an invading colonial force, that becomes a ruler and you must obey that person. Even if that person came to power through a military coup that jails people and tortures people and commits all types of injustices, it becomes a religious obligation to obey that person. Regardless of how this person comes to power, as long as they have what they call shauka, the power of compulsion, that becomes the legitimate ruler and it becomes a religious obligation upon you to obey that ruler. I ask you, if you are not a Muslim, would you respect a system of thought that thinks that way? There is a fundamental problem with this entire way of thinking. is in the way that they interpret the divine will. It is an irony of ironies and a remarkable paradox that they believe that if you come to power through brute force by using weapons like a military coup or imposed in power by a colonial power, that that is God's will, and God gives mulk to whomever God wishes. But what if you come to power through a ballot box? Why is that not God's will? Why is it that if Sisi has a military coup and sits in power, that's God's will? If Salman in imprisons thousands of scholars and takes power and invades Yemen and does all the misery that Salman is doing, that's God's will. If Muhammad bin Zayed jails all dissidents and sits in power because anyone that dares opposes him is thrown in prison, that's God's will. But if someone if we decide to decide if we decide to resolve the issue of power through the ballot box suddenly these people are not so sure about God's will why is it that God's will in the thinking of these people is happy with brute force but not the electoral ballot why is it that you can decide legitimately decide things according to them through the power of weapons, but not through the power of vote. It doesn't make any sense, and it never made any sense. It never made any sense, and it will never make any sense. Why is it that if people compete in elections and someone is elected and that person rules for an X number of years, that's not considered God's will. But if someone uses brute force and armed forces and usurps power and sits on the throne for a lifetime, that's said to be God's will. I say this to expose the hypocrisy in the hearts of these people. 
the Jamis, the Binbayas, and all of those people that support that way of thinking are nothing more than apologists for autocrats. They live and cohabitate with autocrats and they benefit from their relationship with autocrats. They get perks for serving autocrats and in return they philosophize and Islamize the will of despots and autocrats. The issue for mature human beings is how do you have a government that can hold the ruler accountable when the ruler acts in a wrongful manner. Give me a system of government that is capable of holding rulers accountable when rulers commit injustice and commit sin, because injustice is sin. If you have a system that is capable of holding rulers accountable, other than democracy, please tell me. Because human beings have not managed to think of another system. With all the faults of democracy, with all the shortcomings, do you have a better idea, a better way of holding rulers accountable? And holding rulers accountable is the embodiment of al-amr bil-ma'ruf wa-nahi al-munkar. Living a life where you pursue and advocate and achieve goodness and you resist evil. Autocracy doesn't allow you to do that. Despotism doesn't allow you to do that. Political quietism and acquiescence and apathy doesn't allow you to do that. Why? Because autocrats, if you try to hold them accountable, they do what Sisi does and what Bin Salman does and what Muhammad bin Zayed does. They put you in prison. Put you and your family in prison and kill you and murder you and torture you and all of that. And you want to tell me that that's Islamic. But if we think of a system of government that at least can potentially hold rulers accountable by removing them from office through the ballot box when they act unjustly and unfairly and unethically, at least we can remove them from office. That that's haram? That that is haram. So, if I hold the ruler accountable through the ballot box, that's not Allah's will. But if I allow an autocrat, a despot, to jail and murder and maim and torture and rape, that that's God's will? What twisted thinking? What twisted thinking? What demonic power has possessed these people? As you suspect, The ideas of Bin Bayya and the ideas of Jami Islam and all these similar orientations were supported, sponsored, and promoted in response to the Arab Spring, in response to a factual 
actually political unfolding. An actual political unfolding. Autocrats in the Middle East worried that if democracy establishes itself, that they might be finally held accountable for all the sins they committed against their own people for decades. That they might finally be held accountable for all the torturing and jailing and maiming and raping. That they might be finally held accountable for all the stealing of money and the bank accounts in Switzerland and in Paris. All the wasting of the country's resources. So they brought a group of religious people like Bin Bayya and like Zaytuna and like Jami Islam, which is all over the Muslim world now. And they paid them a lot of money. They paid them a lot of money to go to Muslims and say, Muslims, the injustice of autocrats is Allah's will. But the ballot box and its results are not Allah's will. And remarkably, a lot of young, ignorant, and stupid Muslims believed them. accepted what they've said. And then you come to them and say, wasn't the sunnah of the Prophet Shura? They say yes. Wasn't the sunnah of the Prophet Bay'ah? They say yes. Wasn't the sunnah of the Prophet Nuqba'ah? They say yes. You say, isn't justice an ultimate principle in Islam? They say yes. You say, isn't Coercion prohibited by the Quran. They say yes. All of that is yes. So what's wrong with democracy? Oh, it's not Allah's will. Why isn't Allah's will? Well, the ballot box is not Allah's will. That's the will of parties and factionalism. How about weapons and coups and tanks and airplanes? Well, that's Allah's will. If Sisi uses the army to repress people and jail people and torture people, that's Allah's will. But if you elect someone in office, well, that's not Allah's will. Ya Rabbi. Ya Rabbi, how are we Muslim? How are we still thinking this way in this day and age? The issue is not what you, whether it's, you call it democracy or not. The issue is developing a political system that can hold rulers accountable by removing them when they misbehave. Where you don't have to assassinate them in order to end their injustice. You simply go to the ballot box and remove them. And you want to tell me that that's haram. That that is haram. Wake up. These people are nothing but ideologues that are on the payroll of autocrats and despots. And that's why they rely on your ignorance and your piety, and they rely on that piety to stunt and paralyze your critical thinking. And the what? that's the worst type of piety. When your piety is an obstacle to your ability to think analytically and coherently, then that's the worst type of piety. They bring you apocryphal hadith that says 
you have to obey a ruler even if they steal their money and strike your back. And they rely on your piety to say, sure, absolutely, I'll, I'll obey. The latest permutation of this are these Muslims, I call them masochists, because they had a president who ran on a ticket of hating Muslims. Do you all remember that video that was, uh, sorry, that story that was told by Trump during his election campaign about the apocryphal, an apocryphal story, incidentally, a American lieutenant in Philippines who ducked his bullets in pig's blood and executed a bunch of Muslims. And because of that, there were no Muslim rebellion in the Philippines for 30 years. That's the story that Trump said. A thoroughly insulting, bigoted story. Do you remember the videos that Trump tweeted of purported Islamic barbarity. And then he said, see, I was right all along about banning Muslims. Trump is supported by every Islamophobic and Christian Zionist organization. because of his passionate hate of Islam. And yet these masochist Muslims, their response, they like Trump. Yes, insult me. That's what a masochist does. Beat me, insult me, mistreat me. I love it. These are these Muslims. They love those who insult and humiliate them. They have no honor. They have no dignity. But I'll tell you even more. They have no Islam. Because without dignity and honor, there is no Muslim. If your position is you can insult my religion and degrade my prophet, and steal my holy lands, and I still consider you a desirable ruler, then you're not a Muslim. Then you're not a Muslim. Allah will never bless an unjust people. Allah will never bless a blind and ignorant people. And when you celebrate autocracy as the will of God, when you celebrate ugliness and injustice as the will of God, when you celebrate torture and imprisonment and maiming and raping as the will of God, then you have blasphemed against God. And if you blaspheme against God, do you expect God to bless you after this? For all those Muslims that still say, ah, but you know, Sheikh this and Sheikh that, and they, you know, they said that we have to obey and that's the will of God. If you accept despotism and injustice as the will of God, then you have blasphemed against God. You are saying God likes injustice. God likes Muhammad bin Salman, Muhammad bin Zayed, Sisi Abdel Fattah, or Abdel Fattah al-Sisi. That God looks at them, or Bashar al-Assad of Syria, that God looks at them and says, yes, yes, that's my will. I'm fine with you torturing and raping and killing. Shame on you if you are that type of Muslim. 
Because in my book, you're not Muslim. You have committed the biggest act of blasphemy against Allah. An unjust, cruel, and an unethical God. That's the God you worship. In the Arab Spring, many secular Muslims, the secular intelligentsia, ended up siding with military coups. And the reason they sided with military coups is because they didn't want Islamists in power. The irony is that many Islamists, like Hezb al-Nur in Egypt, like Jami Islam, like the Islam of Bin Bayya, also sided with military coups. They sided with military coups because they were sitting on the laps of autocrats and despots. They were benefiting from their relationship with autocrats and despots. They enjoyed the cars with drivers, the Mercedes-Benz and the drivers and the VIP treatment at airports and all the little thrills and perks. And they were, were willing to sell their religion so cheaply. And they were handsomely rewarded for their defense of autocracy and despotism, handsomely rewarded, then develop the irony of ironies. And pay attention here, because it is truly an irony. If the secular intelligentsia ended up supporting military coups, and if the Jami Islam types, the, the branch of Wahhabi Islam, that's Jami, supported military coups. If Sufi Islam supported military coups. If the Islam of Hizb nur the Salafi type Islam, supported military coups. Who ended up not supporting the military coups? Who's left? It, the only people left were those associated or affiliated with the ideas of the Muslim Brotherhood, the Ikhwan. The group of Islamists on the ground that, said, that believed in democracy and advocated for democracy. And because of that, they were labeled terrorists and imprisoned and exterminated. So we end up with an irony, a true irony. For decades, everyone feared the Muslim Brotherhood as an organization that wants to jump on power to exploit democratic thought, to jump in power and stay in power, but through the political decisions of various Islamic factions, the only people that are around these days that are still defending the idea that democracy is consistent with Islam and in fact is an Islamic imperative are the Ikhwan. <coughs> and I say that and it saddens me. It saddens me. Because the Ikhwan is an easy target for oppression. And because the Ikhwan are a vilified group, so they're ineffective. They no longer have an effect in the street. So if you remove them out of the equation by jailing and torturing and killing them, what's left? What's left? 
isolated people like Khaled Abul Fadl, that has no bearing. That has no bearing. Enough. Wake up. Enough. Enough stupidity. Enough ignorance. Allah will not bless a people who curse themselves by themselves. The fact that a mullah or imam gives a khutbah that makes you fear hellfire or makes you dream of Jannah or that makes you laugh because they're cute and they say jokes on their khutbahs and their lectures is not going to avail you anything before Allah on the final day when you tell Allah, I believe that your will is despotism, autocracy and injustice. You're in trouble. Wake up. you want to know the effects of autocracy you want to know the effects of despotism as we speak we all know about the new cozy relationship between the United Arab Emirates and Israel. We all know about this agreement that betrayed Palestinians in the most grotesque and uncompromising fashion. But it turns out that this agreement even betrays more than that. In the southern part of Al-Aqsa Mosque, in the southern part of Al-Aqsa Mosque, about 144 acres, for centuries that part is considered part of the Haram of Al-Aqsa Mosque. Israelis have been calling that part the Mount Temple, although there has been no archaeological evidence that the Mount Temple actually existed in this location. But that's what Israelis want to believe. And for decades, including just this week, Israeli settlers invade and violate the sanctuary in the southern part of Al-Aqsa Mosque, the 144 acres, by disrupting Muslim prayers, violating the sanctity of the mosque, protected by Israeli police. The Emirati-Israeli agreement, it turns out, recognizes this part of Al-Aqsa as legitimately Israeli. So it actually violates the sanctity of Al-Aqsa Mosque. The Emirati government even consented to a, an extremist radical position of the Netanyahu government that when Israeli settlers invade the sanctuary they are engaged in acts of religious worship. And so Israel has the right to protect them and Palestinians have no option but to withdraw. Can you say that this is the will of the Emiratis? You can't because Mohammed bin Zayed is an autocrat. 
and there is no mechanism to hold him accountable or to remove him from office or to even say how dare you betray the Palestinians and how dare you betray Al-Aqsa Mosque there's no way when Muhammad bin Zayed gives an award to the president of India who is systematically oppressing Muslims in Kashmir and all over India, there is no way to tell Muhammad bin Zayed how dare you. No way. If you do, you're promptly in jail. There's no way to hold him accountable. There's no way to remove him from office. His will is divine. And then bin Baya comes along and says, you have to obey him because this is Allah's will. Allah's will that the Aqsa Mosque goes to fanatic Israeli settlers. And some of you still defend his student Hamza Yusuf, because Hamza Yusuf embraced the ideas of Bin Bayya in total. He's in fact imperate for the ideas of Bin Bayya. You want again to know the, the, the consequences of autocracy? Muhammad bin Salman allowed the Israeli airlines to fly over Saudi on to reach the Emirat. Israeli planes flying over the airspace of Al-Hijaz. Why did the Israelis make it a point to take a route that flies over at Hijaz. Why? Were they sending a message to Muslims? Well, there is no way that we can hold Muhammad bin Salman accountable to even ask questions of Muhammad bin Salman. There's no mechanism. That autocracy is supposed to be the will of God? Sisi of Egypt is demolishing thousands of homes and throwing poor people in the street. Rich Egyptians are safe and secure. Poor Egyptians are finding themselves homeless. There is no way to hold Sisi accountable. There is no way to remove Sisi from office. And you want to tell me that's the will of God? Another news item. The Jewish journal, The Forward, published an article on how the Israeli government was funding Islamophobic organizations in the United States. The Israeli government was giving, paying out checks to Islamophobic organizations in the United States. Muslim governments are doing nothing to respond to the Islamophobia that is well-funded through private funds in the U.S. and now even funded from Israel, Israel that receives a very good amount of our tax dollars in the form of financial and economic help from the U.S. that then they turn around and give to Islamophobic organizations. And you know what? There are these Muslims who say Muhammad bin Salman who's doing nothing about Islamophobia, Muhammad bin Zayed who's not doing nothing about Islamophobia, Abdel Fattah al-Sisi who is actually participating and encouraging and promoting Islamophobia, and the Trump administration that allows for this network to exist between Israel and law and American Islamophobic organization. The Trump administration, which actually encourages this relationship. And you tell me obeying Trump is the will of God. 
That's what autocracy does. There is no way, if you are saying that we can't hold Trump accountable, we can't tell Trump, how dare you say this about our religion? We can't even vote against Trump because according to this position, we shouldn't vote. You want to tell me that this is Islam? Autocracy does so much evil. New articles, this time from the Washington Post. It turns out that since 2017, China built, since 2017, China built another 268 new concentration camps for Muslims. The news coming out of China is that China is determined to wipe out the Kazakh Muslims and the Uyghur Muslims, all the traditional Muslim societies that have existed for centuries in China, one of the most beautiful and culturally rich manifestations of Islam. And China is determined to wipe, exterminate Muslims completely from China. Trump is doing nothing. Mohammed bin Salman is doing nothing. Mohammed bin Zayed is doing nothing. In fact, they, 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 they pursue policies that encourage and support China. And you tell me, we have to accept this autocracy and this calamity and this grotesqueness as Allah's will? We can't even use the ballot box to say we want to choose a president that does something about these concentration camps or that a Muslim president or a Muslim ruler who supports these genocidal murderers should be removed from office. And you told me, no, 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 that, that, that's haram. The will of God is despotism and autocracy. Then effectively, you're saying when Muhammad bin Salman supports the Chinese government, when Abdel Fattah al-Sisi not only supports the Chinese government, but he took the Chinese students studying at Azhar and handed them over to the Chinese governments so the Chinese government can put them in concentration camps. When Muhammad bin Zayed gives award, an award to the Chinese president, and you're telling me there's no way we can hold them accountable. And there's no way we can remove them from office. And that is Allah's will. There are two types of Muslims. One type, I'm not even sure if they are Muslim. In our day and age, there are Muslims who stood by Jerusalem. And there are Muslims who betrayed Jerusalem. There are Muslims who stood by Kashmir. And there are Muslims who betrayed Kashmir. There are Muslims who stood against the Holocaust. Being perpetuated in China against Muslims. And there are Muslims who didn't care to take a stand about the Holocaust. Being perpetuated against Muslims in China. Two types. And I am sure that in the final day, they will be split into two camps. The camp of hypocrites who sold Jerusalem, who sold Kashmir, who sold out the Chinese, the Chinese Muslims, who sold them, who betrayed them, who defended autocracy and despotism and injustice as Allah's will, and Muslims who refused to do so. And the only question for all of you is to which camp do you want to belong? In the final day, you want to stand with, with, 
which camp? That says it all. Don't think that you can take a neutral camp. Don't think that there's be the camp of people who chose not to get involved. It's either the camp of the hypocrites or the camp of those who truly carried out the message of Islam and it stand for justice and it stand for dignity and it stand for ethics and morality. اللهم اعف عنا اللهم ارحمنا اللهم اهدنا لأقرب من هذا رشدا يا علي عظيم وآمن روعاتنا يا علي عظيم يا رب العالمين واهدنا سواء السبيل والطريق المستقيم Allah forgive our sins forgive us for our inequities and our injustices and our lapses of judgment and guide us towards truth and justice and wisdom and make us stand in your, the glory of your pure, pure and luminous light. Ya Ali, Ya Azim, guide us towards what is just, ethical, fair, and beautiful. Wa akhbar